All right, well, thanks for coming out for the podcast and set. Uh, my guest, of course, this week is Mr. Bill Binder. Hello. Now, I first met you, Bill, oh, geez, was it like 17 years ago, maybe? That sound about 15, right? 15 years ago. 15 years ago. 2000, well, just beginning of 2002, I think. Yeah. Were you already doing the PIF when I met mm-hmm. you? Yeah, in fact, you gave me a tremendous amount of uh, flack because I went through levels one through six. I missed two days in that levels, in the level one through six, one because of a traffic accident and one because I was doing the Phoenix Improv Festival. And you're like, I don't care if you're doing an improv festival. <laughs> I've got good knowledge to pass on, which mm-hmm. is true. <laughs> right? I, I, I remember, and I, shortly thereafter, you invited me down to mm-hmm. do that. I think you had it done next year, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the the PIF is the the, the Phoenix Improv Festival, mm-hmm. uh, and you've been running that mm-hmm. correct for now sixteen years. This will be our sixteenth year coming up. Yeah, congratulations! Thank man. you, sir. Uh, I don't know how many times I've done that uh, in the sixteen years, but it's been a bunch. Yeah, uh, and it's grown. I remember that the. It, it wasn't in, you do it in a big theater now called the the Herberger the Herberger Theater Center that is a beautiful space yeah yeah it's an enormous it's an enormous you know it's a legit enormous theater I think it's really important I mean like when our first couple of years we had like no money and no anything but I think it's always been important if you want improv to be recognized in your town as an art form present it to people as an art form you know right and so as soon as we were able to put it in a place like that people who come to that space come to see legit stuff you know they don't care what it is sometimes they just come see legit stuff and i think it's made improv part of the arts culture in that town for sure okay now let's let's go back in time a little bit Uh, i'm thinking uh when did you start improvising 1995 1995 Mm -hmm. uh and where was that and with with whom that was in the upper peninsula of michigan which is yeah, lots of UP fans. Um, no, I was going to school for engineering actually at the time. I had done, I was class clowning, but nothing formal, no interest in comedy at that time. Right. And um, Sue Stevens, she used to work with, um, like, David Shepard and Viola and those way back, fifty uh, stuff. She was a Buddhist vegan hippie woman, lived in the woods, house with no electricity. And I think when like Second City was starting, she was just like, not for me. <clears throat> Too much glitz and glamour. And then she just, in the 90s, said, I'm going to just start doing improv again. Found a couple engineers and said... Who's this? Her name's Sue Stevens. Sue Stevens. Yep. All right. She just sort of dropped off the map in the <coughs> 57 or something like that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, what, what, when she just grabbed a couple engineers, said, I want to do improv, we were like, okay. And it Did wasn't, she purposely grab engineers? Well, that's that... who was around. It was, oh, an, right. it was an engineering school in the middle of a lumberjack town. So as engineers are lumberjacks, you know. All right. Um, so yeah, she just grabbed, you know, we were the young kids going to the school then and, um, instantly fell in love with it. It wasn't short form or long form. It was primordial mask work, lots of, you know, uh, John Stone stuff and like that. But, uh, I did that for a few years and I loved it. But then I got to the point of like, this is great, but I think there's more, like there's more to what we're just doing here. And, um, Chuck Charbonneau, a friend from uh, Detroit, he's like, oh, get on a bus, go to Chicago, go to Improv Olympic, when it was called Improv Olympic, right? Uh, go see Baby Wants Candy. 
And I saw Honeyslide Space Mountain, two Herald teams at the time. Josh DeBose was in one of them. I was like, this is great, but I don't know what it is. And then I said, once candy is like, okay, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I want to do that forever. Okay. So, yeah. Just got into it right then. So, But you didn't move to Chicago. Nope. I, um, I thought about moving to Chicago, uh, New York, L.A. I was at a point, like, Michigan wasn't growing any, at that point in time any more than it was going to. And the Detroit scene now is awesome. Um, but back then it wasn't really doing anything. I was like, Chicago, New York, or L.A. are awesome. But I'm right at that. I was like 20-something, fighting the world, you know, right. rebellion. And I was like, if I do that, I'm just going to, like, be improviser 6,709 and just do what I need to kind of discover my own improv and fight, so fight for it. So I just went to a place I had no improv, really. And, uh, <coughs> like, <coughs> so, yeah, go to Phoenix, Arizona, where nobody's heard of long form. I'm sorry, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, Chicago, New York, LA, Chicago, New York, LA, Phoenix. Phoenix. Um, yeah, I considered a few towns. I looked around that had, um, that didn't really have a scene. And there was a couple, there was a couple short form church, troops out of churches, and they were, they were really good, but right? it wasn't really like part of the culture. I was like, yeah, I have to fight for every show. I have to, I can't half ass a show. Um, so yeah, I came, uh, kind of came out. And uh, I had family in the state of Arizona, not in Phoenix, but that was like, oh, that's a nice drive, you know. So that was one of the factors too. Right. I just went out to Phoenix and started doing it. I love the idea of that. I've never heard anyone describe a choice like that in improv as I'm. I'm not going to go to one of the major hubs. I'm going to go somewhere where it doesn't exist and find it. Mm-hmm. Just you know, sort of discover it f- for myself and present it. Uh, I'm thinking usually what happens is, you know, people learn enough in one of the major hubs and then they move to some small podunk, podunk town and become king. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, I, I, I absolutely believe what you're saying. I think it's beautiful. You said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere where it doesn't exist and discover it. Uh, so you're in Phoenix yeah. where it doesn't exist. Yeah. And what do you do? I, um, well, I, I introduced myself to the few folks who were doing like some short form stuff. Um, there was two groups. One of them. They were just kind of folding at the time. They were very nice. Mm-hmm. The other ones, I just want to introduce myself and say, like, I want to start this different thing. I don't want to step on your toes or fight with you. And they were super cool about it. And uh, they were curious about long form. So I worked with, they said, you want to play with us in the short, in the meantime? I was like, yeah. Uh, I played with them for a while. That group later became Apollo 12, which is still a performing troupe. And then I just uh, took an ad on the paper, like, Harold Classes. <laughs> like uh barely knowing what a herald was bar- oh i oh i was so presumptuous i <coughs> i was not doing great work i was in no position to teach but like like i said i have to learn right if i'm the only who knows a little bit um so uh, i got a class uh jose gonzalez my good friend showed up um right. and uh, he loved it and we just tried to figure out what herald does we did one at, at the first phoenix improv festival in 2002 we did a herald it, I shudder to think what it was now, but uh, we definitely did our best to to try and do it. And I remember the first time I was exposed to Harold was in Michigan because we, we found a copy of Truth and Comedy, right. like in a, a vault. You, I like yeah. how, how you <laughs> found it. This we found un- this <laughs> yes, secret yes. book that couldn't be purchased yes. anywhere. And yes, there was there was no Amazon then. Um, <laughs> and we were like, oh, Harold sounds cool. And like, but just having read it in a book. Uh, and we tried it. We're like, that's whatever, whatever this book's trying to explain, we are not doing. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't until a few years later and, you know, watching shows at Improv Olympic and stuff, I felt confident to give it a shot, you know. All right. And learn from there. And 
this is now the beginning of what becomes your theater mm -hmm. down there. And what's your theater called? The Torch Theater. The Torch Theater. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the torch starts starts growing. You mm -hmm. say it's going for a year now in Phoenix. You've done your first Phoenix Improv Festival. Mm, no, actually, the opposite of that, and it's not just logistics. We I love that we started the festival before we had any theater. There was just it, like oh wow, yeah. wait, hold on a second, because <laughs> yeah. I have known people who started theaters uh -huh. who barely knew, or, or started training centers or theaters who uh -huh. barely knew yeah. enough to do so. But you just skipped the whole fucking thing. It's, oh, it's like, cocky. Yeah. It's just like, all right, we don't know this yet. Mm -hmm. We don't teach it or right. really do it, but we're going to have a festival. Yep, that's right. To celebrate well, what here's we why. don't know how to do well, yet. The that's, thing is, there was, that's beautiful. there was three groups that were kind of doing it in town. They barely knew each other. There was no animosity. Mm -hmm. But... I had visited Chicago Improv Festival. I had just started taking classes at I.O. West. And I was like, let's just meet each other. Let's just put on a big show where all of us come together, perform for all of our audiences together. To call it a festival is perhaps an exaggeration, but that's what we called it. And uh, we're just like, hey, we can work together. And because it wasn't hosted by a theater, the festivals continued to be kind of this thing that all the troops in town have this ownership of, even though the Torch does most of the logistics and stuff of running it, right. we just like, we want all the performers in the town to feel that everybody has a part in the festival. Oh, that's so, great. And that's so mm -hmm. true to the nature of what we do is the mm -hmm. idea of being inclusive. Right. You know, to, to bring everyone in as opposed to this festival versus this other festival. Right. Uh, so that's great. So you're, you're going along at I.O. Mm -hmm. uh, I eventually get you in class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was that year, probably after I had you in class, you asked me to come down to the first Phoenix Improv Festival that I went to. Yeah, which I think was PIF4. Uh, yeah. Who did I come down with the first time? Did I come down with Dan or No, Brian? I think the first year you came down with, I think with Hawkins, actually. No, not the first year. Maybe not. Maybe not. The first year, it was probably, it was probably as either Dan Backer or Brian O'Connell I came down with the first time. One or the other. You came uh, with Dan later, so it might have been Brian the first time. Yeah, I think it was Brian the yeah, first time. I think, yeah, because I don't think Dan was out here yet. Yeah. That's right. So it was, it was, it was the Billy Miles. Billy Miles, yep. Uh, and then eventually the Hawkins Strath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me, and, me and Jeff Hawkins. Uh, and yeah, it was huge. I remember. I always remember I was talking with someone else from Phoenix on, on one of the podcasts about how when I went down there mm -hmm. and I saw Bob Fisher. Yeah. And I was like, because he's he he predates me. He's a guy that I admired when I was in classes. And I was just I remember I just saw him and I'm like, what the fuck what? are you doing <laughs> yeah. in Phoenix? And do any of these people know who you are? Uh about three of us knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that just that just yeah. killed me. I was just like, you guys really realize this is mm -hmm. like one of the kings. It's funny because the um I knew who Bob Fisher was. I used to see Cardiff Giant and those sort of things. But that's a common name. And I mm -hmm. remember first, we were doing some workshop, and he called to sign up for it. I was like, oh, Joe Bill was coming to a workshop. And uh, he's like, hey, can I do the Joe Bill workshop? I was like, oh, I'm sorry, it's sold out. And he's like, could you ask, tell him Bob Fisher one sec? I was like, well, I'll ask. And I didn't really put together right. this common name. And then after paying up, I was like, wait a second, was that? I called back. I was like, are you Bob Fisher? He was like, yeah. I was like, I'm. I'll double check with Joe, but I'm sure it's fine. Right. Uh, but that's how I met him. And then we did a scramble uh, at PIF, I think that same year. Um, yeah, he was a great gift to our community. You know, he has a lot of knowledge to pass along. For oh, sure. yeah. I was funny. I think the 
the last time I was down there because I just don't, I don't have the ability to travel much these days because I have kids. Uh, but the, I mean, the last time I was down there and I did that two person set with Bob in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night. Yeah. In that little theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we just did a half hour scene as I recall. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that might be the only time I've ever played with him. It could be. Uh, which is, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, it really was just like, I'm just like, this is, I, I, I so admired him. And I guess now he's moved back to Chicago. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. He's back in Chicago. Uh, so you had him for a while down there. Yeah. We were lucky. And, and I agree. Like Josh Nichols has said it. And I know he's been on your podcast here, but he's like, one of the great things about improv is like, you get to play with the people you admire and it's not changing the world. It, it's part of our culture, you know? And I think that's pretty great. Yeah, I'm doing it tonight. Well, well, thank you. It it, it becomes because in improv, to me, eventually, it's sort of like anything where the the how much better you can get, you know, sort of slows down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you're always trying to get better. Like I'm always trying to work on something in my game, Uh, but it does. It it slows down, and then eventually, we're all sort of well, we're all just sort of the same, (laughs) right? We're all we're all really good. So let's just fucking play around. Mm so wow, I think that brings us up to date with where you come from. <laughs> uh, Issue number one. So what are you doing now? What's going on now with Phoenix? Anything new? Yeah, Phoenix is it's really going great. The theater's kind of at a. We just celebrated our, our this weekend. We're celebrating our fifth anniversary of this of our space, which is nice. Um, it, officially, it was like a few days ago, but we're celebrating this weekend. Um, that's a new space, right? Yeah, fairly new. Well, five years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we opened in 2011 and, uh, it's been growing and we get a really great culture there and we work with national comedy theater out there and jesters and during the other theaters. So the whole community is really going good. And I, because of that, it's just got a really good culture and we have people move to Chicago like any other city does, but we also have people who stick around and, uh, and make it better. So it's at a really good place right now. And right now you're up in LA to do what? This podcast, well, yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's it's pretty much a, like uh, this. Aren't you up with the team? doing a show? Yeah, I got a show on Friday um, uh, here, which is going to be fun, and it was nice um, because the group Melissa set it up. Uh, one of our former members is living out here doing law full time; doesn't get to perform anymore, and he's like, the only way I would play is if like my old group miraculously showed up in L.A. So they're like, they called him like, can you come to L.A.? And we're like, yeah, we'll come. So wow, that's just, great. Just came on out and let him sit in. It's going to be a lot of fun. We haven't played with him in a few years. So he went from improv into law? Yeah, as we all do. <laughs> Sooner or later. As we all eventually The lure do. of the legal degree. <laughs> all right. Uh, what do you see going on, on next? I mean, cause are you going to stay in Phoenix, do you think? Or yeah, you... I think so, for a while. I really love... I, I love building one... Not. I mean, I love Phoenix, but I love... Any city where people just stay and make it great. Because I think 10, 12 years ago, you couldn't do that. Like, the best performers went to Chicago, New York, L.A. Chicago, New York, and L.A. got 1% better. And every other town, you know, deteriorated and dried up. But now, like, you got Minneapolis. You got Charlotte. You got Austin. You know, you've got all these cities where improv is really doing amazing things. And I love... Uh, Mike Rabiglia, he's doing Don't Think Twice, and I love... No, I'm sorry, it was Chris Gethard in the same interview. He said, like, those cities, everybody's there to make it big. So everything's under the microscope. 
So the experimentation and the new things and the most creative shows are coming out of, you know, Boise, Idaho or something like that. So I love where Phoenix is. I'm going to be there for a while. And I love, <coughs> you know, getting other cities to share <coughs> ideas. The last few years with the internet, like festivals can learn from each other instead of like fighting the same battles separately. And right. theaters are sharing resources and stuff. So it's really going well. I find it really interesting. Like what, what do you see... How would you describe like your place in the world as an improviser? Because I, I think you have an answer for that. No, I'm embarrassed. No, I um. No, like, I, I think yeah. just, just by everything else you're saying, it's like yeah. you're not looking to go to you know Chicago, LA, New York, and 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 make it big. You're looking to give something to a community. I am and to build that. I am. I feel we're talking about myself, but I, I I'm going to talk about 2004 for a second. I went to a festival in 2004. It was fun. We stayed in a hotel that was nearby, but they didn't tell us there was a river between our hotel and the festival. And so there was like a 30-minute cab ride. And I was like, why didn't like why didn't they think to tell us that? Why didn't fest another festival tell them that? And in a 40-minute cab ride, I was just like, why don't festivals share good ideas? Um, so I think I'm an okay improviser. I think I do okay. But what I've been really passionate about the last few years is, like, if we want to be artists, if we want our art to be taken seriously, we need to act like professionals. And I'm not the expert on it, but I can get the expert to you. And I've been working with the Improv Network and other things like that to just try and get festivals in their towns to get respected by their towns as being part of the art culture. And if we can do that nationally and internationally, there's a few people who can do improv full-time right now, like, as their jobs. And, like, in 20 years, I would love if anybody who wants to do that can. You know, they have to work for it, but but this the culture will exist for them to do that, you know? Right. I just, I think there's, I'm, I'm forgive me for prying. Or, no, okay. Or digging. Uh no, there's something, you know, there's something beautiful and personal that you want to say, because um, I you're describing making festivals better and, mm -hmm. and getting people to communicate about those things. Uh, it's it's about people, and yeah. You're choosing to stay in a place that doesn't necessarily classically benefit you, but it benefits the people that are around you yeah uh and that's you know i said it a lot of times already that that's that's a beautiful way to approach life uh i'm just wondering if you are it's like are you conscious of like i i, I don't like like i don't want what some other people might might want mm -hmm. it's, it's it's something i was thinking the other night, there was a quote I was fucking around with. There's an old quote uh, in improv theaters or in sketch theaters. Like uh, I think Bernie Salen said it, and at the Second City in Chicago, the 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 the, the money's in the classes, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and there's truth to that, uh, you know. But I, like I like for me here, I've already sort of screwed that up. Uh, <laughs> Because I'm I'm trying to look out for my my teachers, mm -hmm. uh, and the the idea that I had, which you are reminding me of, 
is like the money may be in the classes, but the wealth is in the community. Mm. Uh, I think I know your question. Um, yeah, people are like, why don't you go to New York or LA or Chicago? Um, there's a lot of people in Chicago who know what this is. And, and they love it. There's millions of people in the United States and there's billions of people on earth who have never seen it. The thing that is so beautiful to me. And if I can expose more people to that thing and show them and make them part of it, um, and make them enjoy it and make their lives more fulfilled through it. I would rather do that. I would rather, like, I just love what improv can be so much. Um, the discovery of it, the way we learn to communicate with it, the way offstage we learn to listen to each other, that if we all go to the three places it exists, I think we're robbing so many other places of seeing what it can be. Yeah, I, th I th just, in thinking that, uh, and for, you know, forgive me if I start to tear up again, uh, I think you and I are doing very similar things. Uh, it, it, it's occurred to me in opening the theater that we're currently sitting in uh, that I, you know, it's, I have not done it in a fashion that is, that makes any sense from a business. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but, I had a great compliment from uh, a guy who was on two. I can't remember who asked me this, but it was like, who's helping you? And I was like, it's embarrassing. I've got too many people helping me. Yeah. It's probably 30, 50 people mm -hmm. that are just volunteering their time in an effort for this cause. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, it's, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. It's humbling. It's wonderful. Uh, but that's what made me think about that old Bernie Sandlin's quote, the money's in the classes. It's like, and I immediately thought, yeah, but the wealth is in the community. Mm -hmm. It's in the people. Uh, in taking care of them, and how they then turn back and take care of you. Yes. Uh, and similarly to you, going, going off into the world to discover what improv is for you, I now feel like I get to do that again. Like I know a lot about fucking improv. <laughs> I know a lot about. I know a lot about this stuff, but I really feel like, with with what I'm doing right now, I get to start all over. I get to do it all again. Uh, as exhausted as I am currently, having just <laughs> opened, uh, I'm internally invigorated to to again look for new shit and put new shit together. Uh, and I'm inspired by the people around me who are doing so much new, great stuff. Uh, and I think you're doing something identical to that. Yeah. It's every time I see that logo, it makes me happy for my theater. You know, it just when we were doing Heralds, it was fun when you build a thing that people can connect and say I'm a part of this thing it's it's so 
good. And when you see those comments on your teacher evaluations or on Facebook or whatever that say, um, I had given up on life and I found this and now I know who I am. Jeez, that's huge. And that, that moves me every single time. And what a wonderful thing that we're in a place where we get to share that with people that we can open this community and, and, and share what we love and find their love and their loves makes us stronger too. Yeah. I got, I don't think I, I don't think I, I w w would want to talk about anything else right now. So if, 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 if anybody in the audience has any questions for, for, uh, for, 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 for Bill or I, mainly Bill, uh, please ask. I'm going to pimp you into asking. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Bill, you said that you're currently based in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And um, in, in terms of, like, connecting with other festivals, would you also consider, like, helping smaller cities around you, like, giving them the groundwork for how to create a festival? Oh, my gosh, yes. I um, that's, what, that's what started the ball rolling of, uh, not to just plug, but the, the improv network is that I want every festival to be great. And so many times um, festivals have reached out and they're like, not the, again, we're not with the best, but like, how can we start? And I'm like, well, for starters, don't book out-of-town groups on a Wednesday, you know, and things like that. Um, but we always, we'll send them our, the tools we use for our budget, our task management stuff, um, everything, because we want them to succeed everywhere. And there's like some like 60 festivals on the improv network and like every new one would just reach like, Hey, what do you need? You know, Hey, Minnesota's really great at that. Um, cause I want every festival to be able to succeed and, and show their, cause that's what festivals are to give a community a first chance to see you. Cause you can have a theater there all the time and people might stumble on it, but if you put a festival on, that's usually the first time people in your city are going to see improv. So let them see it at this most beautiful and professional, right? Does it's that funny. answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's funny. I, I almost never do the festival circuit at all. I only occasionally do it uh, if someone I know asks me, like you asked me, mm -hmm. Phoenix. Uh, but I have done a, a few. Uh, and you guys really do just a phenomenal job of from the moment I get off the plane, you know, there's someone there. Uh, what, what do you call them again? The Den mothers? My den mother is yeah. there to, <laughs> to pick me up. And if I want something to eat, she'll get me something to eat. And yeah. I'm, 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 I, I, and, and me, I'm, I'm like probably a lot of players in, at, at our level or whatever. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not someone who's like, yeah, get me this, get me that. I'm just like, <laughs> you'll do what? Get the hell away from me. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's, I'm just going to go to my room and drink until the show. So. Here's what I tell... Here's one thing I'll tell any festival that's starting is like you're not if a troop's visiting you, you're not doing them a favor. They're doing you a favor. They're making you look good. They're making the people of your city discover what you are. They are rock stars, right? You invited them because they're the best performers. Treat them that way. Don't treat them like college kids. Like like treat them like artists and they're gonna respond. They're gonna put on the best show and they're gonna come back and love you and they're going to tell their friends to come and your city's going to grow and you guys absolutely did that it wasn't it wasn't just for it was for everybody mm -hmm. you could see it it's just like 
everybody had someone taking care of them, running around for them. Uh, and I think because of that, like because the generosity was so present, uh, it probably just pushes people to not be dicks about it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like I'm sorry, how, how can I complain? There's there's some person following me, asking me if I can get they can get me anything. Uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful, wonderful festival that I've done multiple times, and I I don't do them. Uh, anything else? Okay. So I'm like so compelled by what you guys are talking about, how much improv is about the community and for like this like magical art form that's so invigorating that inspired you to move to Phoenix to be like, I want to spread it around here. And I will feel like in the ground of like being a performer in it, at times it feels so different from that. Like so much of the conversation is dominated by like really like kind of stage time and climbing in some way. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear kind of y'all's response on a perspective on has it always been this way? Is this just a part of the dynamic? And is it once you're in it for a long time that you start to have more of that perspective or you know, et cetera? Like I'm curious your guys' comment on that. <clears throat> I'd like to hear your thoughts because you just opened. Uh yeah, it's an it's an interesting question because I think from listening to Bill right now, it sounds like Bill came out of the gate with the thing that that you're maybe questioning or looking for or wondering when it will come for you. Uh, I more so, I started more like that as far as like, it was just about the art. It was just about the art and the people around me and doing stuff with them. But then it became about stage time and it became about recognition. Uh, and it became a kind of competition. Uh, but then eventually that dropped away and it became just about, you know, the people again, the people that were around me. Uh, I left a, a, a place that I wasn't happy at anymore. And you, and you know when you're not happy somewhere. Uh, and that's when I started this. Uh, and this is something that when I just began, I just left and sort of started teaching on my own. Like two, four students, I didn't care. It's like it was just me, with no with no one to answer to, just doing what I wanted to do, and then slowly built from there. But that again, but that was then it was it was it was more about just I just wanted to one I, one I kind of can't help but do this at this point in my life. I feel I, I really I've like I've been doing this for almost thirty years, and I've never not in thirty years I've never not done something on stage for more than a week uh so it's just like it's just part of me now but eventually the more you're in it it the the, the bullshit that i think you're kind of describing it does it drops away yeah. because you recognize the the beauty in it uh like me and bill are about to do a, a, a two-person set that i used to put stress about and I, you know, I really beat myself up getting ready for it. But at some point, I was able to be like, it just doesn't fucking matter. Uh, I'm going to listen to him. He's going to listen to me. And we're going to have a fucking blast. And that's all that matters. Uh, right now, for 25 minutes, that's all that matters. And that's just, that's just joy. Uh, and if you can, I think as, as Bill was saying earlier, if, if you can somehow push people toward that joy... Uh, what a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, anything else? 
from there. Uh, Bill, have you done improv internationally yet? Or like, or do you have any aspirations to like take your like festival mantra thing internationally? Uh, yeah, I just did. I, um, no, 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 I didn't mention it. I, um, no, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned it because, um, in 2011, I reached out to a lot of theaters and I looked, let's, in the country, because I, from that 2004 cab ride, I was like, I think I have the experience now to know some of the things that all festivals in the country need, not to tell you, but like know the questions to ask. And, and I put up a little blog post about the time I said, it's so great that now all these cities in the country are doing this. I look forward to the day because I know that they're having the same conversations in bars that we had in Ireland and Paris and stuff too. I just – I don't know what the what the differences are there. I'd love to learn what challenges they have, that that what commonalities we have. And so a few folks in Europe saw that blog post and was like, well, let's come on over. I was like, okay. So uh, I spent two months – going to Europe. I did some shows and some workshops, but mostly I just just went to theaters and said, like, what are you guys doing here? Not not in an accusatory way. Like <laughs> in, in a like an inquisitive way. Like what what's going on here? What what works for you? What doesn't work for you? I want to learn from you guys too. And um I did just enough workshops. I made it a goal that like if I get paid in in Euros for a workshop, that lasts me to the next workshop so I didn't lose money on the trip. But I just uh, it was great, and I was able to bring some of that stuff back and and share some of those things and share some of the stuff we do with them, and, and I want to continue growing that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I everybody was so welcoming to that idea, and uh, my friend Neil, who runs the Improv Fest in Ireland, which go, it's a great festival. What's that? It's a Dublin – it's a great festival. I recommend it to everyone. Go to ImproFest Ireland uh, in 2017 because their submissions are closed this year. But um, I asked him uh, – me and Nick Armstrong asked him, like, can we just hang out after the after party because that's the only time to do it and just talk about the stuff? And he's like, sure. And people from, like, I think 19 countries came. They were hungry to have that discussion. And I think one of the most fulfilling moments of anything I've ever done was we were talking about it. And somebody said, wait, do you guys talk about this in America? I'm like, yeah, all the time. Like, we talk about how to improve our festivals. And like, why don't we do that? Why don't we – I mean, they talk internally, but like, why don't we share? Oh, we can do that too. So they were super open to that, and I love that that's starting to happen over there too. All right, I just want to say in, 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 in closing, because uh, I've, I've, I've known you somewhat for about 15 years mm-hmm. uh but i've never talked to you about these things that we just talked about uh and i can honestly say i think your p- process your journey in this process is one of the most beautiful i've ever heard yeah. hmm. that's tremendously wonderful to hear. all right let's fuck around Paper cut. What's going on there? What's going on, Daddy? Huh? What's going on with your hand? Nothing, man. I'm good. <laughs> you don't look good. <laughs> Did something stupid, all right? Did something stupid. Do you need help? You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to talk about it, but are you okay? Got a little 
Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, uh, that was that was unprofessional. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, then we'll just I need to wrap it up. You could. Okay. I'll have a seat. Look, you don't have to tell me, but I'm really curious what the what happened there. That's not a normal. That's not a normal cut. Trying, trying to break into my ex-wife's house. <laughs> Without her knowledge, I'm assuming. I was breaking in. <laughs> it's not a break in if they know. Look, are you are you and Nancy okay? I mean, clearly you're not a hundred percent. No, okay. no, we're not okay. We're we're separated. We're divorced. <laughs> Those are different things. That's the first time I've said it. We're divorced. Me and Nancy are divorced. Yeah, you are. <laughs> because? I'm, I'm kind of bleeding a bit. Right. You're divorced because? Because <coughs> I'm an asshole. Feels good to say that, doesn't it? No, it doesn't feel good to say that. <laughs> feels good to hear it. No, it doesn't feel good to say it. It's just me recognizing that I threw away the best thing I ever had. Just just being a fucking stubborn dick. That doesn't feel good saying that at all. It doesn't, just, that, I don't feel better. I feel worse. Feel worse than when you were breaking into a into your house? Through a house? That felt good. That actually well, didn't feel, it felt like hope. It was, it was a false hope, but it felt like, it's hey, not, maybe. No, no. Maybe if I do something romantic. Breaking into her house? I, was, I wasn't thinking right. Okay. I thought I broke into her house, and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I laid in her bed, and when she got <laughs> home, she found me in her bed. That would be like a... Romantic thing that happened. I want to offer two pieces of advice. You can ignore both of them if you'd like. But <laughs> the first one is, despite what romantic comedies tell you, um, a huge gesture uh, when a woman doesn't like you doesn't enamor her to you. It makes her think you're a terrible, creepy person. Second of all, well, where, that's, where that's, the fuck were you yet this morning? <laughs> Here. You could have called. So first of all, romantic gestures like that, that's only in movies. And second of all, breaking into a woman's house and laying in her bed, not a romantic gesture. It can't anyway. just be in movies. Cause it's in movies because it reflects something in life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of that movie where Tom, well, not, what's his, whatever, Cusack, right? He's, yeah. He's holding the radio. <laughs> you know, that In Your Eyes song is yeah, playing. Yeah. Right? That's, a, that's a big gesture. Yeah, it's a huge gesture. After the woman said no, and then it just seems like he's not willing to take no for an answer, and now he's kind of rapey. <laughs> In real life, that's how it goes. Look, I, didn't, I got out of there before she got home. <laughs> that doesn't make it okay. It makes it less... I didn't... I, I figured... I thought, what if she comes home with someone? I couldn't handle that. And then it would, it would be... What if she came home with someone? How would you have reacted to that? Not good. <laughs> that would have been that would have been bad. <laughs> All right, so uh, 
You saying someone came in through the window? Yeah, I, I don't. It, my, I just left for an hour, and then I just came home, and nothing was taken, but my bed sheets were wrinkled up, and there was tears on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly someone, you know, punched in with this glass down here. You said there were tears on your carpet? <laughs> yeah. Just... How do you know they're tears? How do you know it's not water? I don't. <laughs> <laughs>
right, well, I'm in a hurry to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm going to let you say a theory, but I'm going to say I'm disappointed that we're no longer talking about my office. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about your office. All right, good. What's this detective's name? Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick? Mm hmm. I think all the single women mm -hmm. in this area mm -hmm. are coming on to him. <laughs> <laughs> Here's, how Here's how we're gonna test that theory. We're gonna move into his neighborhood and get divorced. What? <laughs> I love you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I guess this is my new house. That I'll have to live in alone because I'm divorced. <laughs> strong men to help me out with these boxes I have to carry into my alone house? <laughs> well, who are you speaking to? Uh, no one. Uh, hello. Hello. And you are? I'm James. James. Mm -hmm. Oh. Are you a detective? What's your last name? Johnson, you are Kirkpatrick. <laughs> yes, who's that? <laughs> that is. All right, I'm gonna go inside right now. I'm gonna watch Wheel of Fortune, and I'm just gonna pretend you don't live here. <laughs> who, who the fuck were you talking to out there? Our new neighbor. If you fuck her. I what? <laughs> I came inside specifically not to fuck her. <laughs> because those were clearly two options on the table, coming inside or fucking her on the lawn. <laughs> Trust me, and I came inside, so you're welcome. <laughs> All right, then. Dinner's almost ready. <laughs> that looks like it's... That's the captain's wife moving in across the street. Oh, how interesting. I guess we're done then. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I just came back here to make sure we had our story straight. Our story straight? It was, my house was robbed. That was the whole story. <laughs> Look, I, I've had to create a whole web of lies <laughs> to keep the whole street safe. <laughs> And you don't think the captain's wife is a little suspicious moving in next door? No, I think it's really suspicious. <laughs> and yet you're still looking. I see. Go find out which is why she's moving in. Go find out why she's moving in. Yeah. All right. Let me put my robe on. <laughs> stop undressing when I stop. <laughs> Maybe it's hot out. It's not hot out. It's 77. That's hot for me. <laughs> for anyone. Go find out what All you're right. doing. Hello. Oh, hello. Seem much less interested in me than the other neighbors. Why is thing high? What are you here for? <laughs> What am I here for? Why did you move into this house? What are you here for? I've lived here for 17 years. Kirkpatrick. Hmm. 
Yes. I just like to say that occasionally to see what happens. Really, because it sounds like you were blowing your cover really quickly. <laughs> what cover? What, co what cover are you talking about? Get me out of here. <laughs> Get me out of here. You've only been there for five minutes. It's no longer safe. <laughs> Are you going to acknowledge how nice my office looks? It's, I will, we can talk about your office all night. Just get me out of here. <laughs> I was just yelling randomly into my shirt. Why don't you just shut up and go away? <laughs> well, we got you out of there from the danger. I was, I've never felt so alive. <laughs> <laughs> I was this, I was, oh, I was busted. My cover was blown. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah? Oh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. Okay, this is how it's going to be. I have a drug ring. What? And I can put you, I can put you deep on cover. You'll have to be there for six months, but when you come back, it's going to be so hot. I'm hot right I'm ready. Oh, I know. I'm ready right now. I don't need to go into a drug ring. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready right now? Yeah, I'm ready. So are, you, are you not paying attention to me? Is, is this about your fucking office? It's about my office! Fine, let's talk about your goddamn office. I did, wow, you have never seen moisture move away from someone as fast as it just moved away from me. Right? <laughs> Please, tell me about your goddamn office. I got a new clock, and I really like it. It's shaped like the state of uh, Texas. And then it's got a small Texas cut out of the center of it, and then there's a clock on it, and it really brings the room together. <laughs> now, would you like to have sex? No. <laughs> no. Well, I'm a little disappointed, but glad we got to talk about the clock. <laughs> the, 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 the entirety of what you've done to your office is you bought a clock? It brings the room. It's so central. Like, everything, it's like... You know when art class and you draw lines going towards a central point and then you put two lines and you draw through the center to show how far the next line will be? No, that's I don't the know clock. That. I don't know that. I don't know that. Well, I, I you should have taken art, art classes. classes. Well, I, I never have, so I don't know that. All oh, right. Okay. I know that a clock is not a big fucking deal. <laughs> By a clock, you don't fucking whine about not getting to talk about your fucking clock for Okay, weeks. well, you're going back undercover for real because I think we're getting divorced. <laughs> Hello. Yes. Carlos, I am here with a delivery for you. <laughs> you can trust me even though I'm new. <laughs> what kind of drugs are these? Can you name them? I have white drugs. <laughs> and I have some brown drugs. <laughs> okay, you're clean. <laughs> Thursday. I got some more clients for you. So to be clear, you just purchased drugs from me. Yes. I gave you uh, American currency in exchange for illegal narcotics, which I'm going what to... What do you fucking need? <laughs> <laughs> we should really go in there. I mean, she's got them. She's got I don't them. know. The more evidence we gather, the, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's circumstantial just, at this point. Unbelievably, he said, he repeated back what she said. It should have been a clear indication that she was undercover. That's a gray area. I don't know if that'll hold up in court. I want more. I want to get as much evidence as we can. 
have you murdered anyone? <laughs> I have video evidence, which I will show you on my phone. I will give you my phone. <laughs> Wait a minute, why is he talking like a robot? He <laughs> sounds like a robot to me now. He seems like he's giving a lot of information away. I think he's a fucking robot. <laughs> I think this guy sent out a fucking robot, because we can't fucking prosecute a robot. I know. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Obama. <laughs> don't, don't blame everything on Obama. Right? The fact that we can't prosecute a robot that's been around forever, alright? Not since before robots. What do you mean? I guess it's, well, yeah, alright, not since before robots. Okay. No one would have said that because they didn't exist. But it's implicit. You can't, I mean, you can't charge us. It's going to happen. You're right, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad habit. You say thanks to Obama way too much. <laughs> I like committing crimes. One zero zero one one one. All right, I'm talking to a fucking robot. Alert! I sent the robot out. Yeah, I sent the robot out. Oh, look! I kill people. I commit crimes. They can't prosecute a robot. They cannot prosecute my robot. Why didn't we think of this years ago? Oh, I love robots. I love all the drugs the robots bring us. So, so surprise. I'm, I'm in our bed. <laughs> Why are you here? This isn't, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs>